0: When I was in the first grade, I would think to myself, Wow, I'll never reach the 12th grade and graduate. Now high school is a tiny dot in my rearview mirror. In 1965, I joined the U.S. Navy on a three-year enlistment. I thought it would never end. But those days are a mere dot in my rearview mirror. I married my fine wife and along came little babies. I thought, Wow, raising, educating, and getting these children to adulthood and out on their own? That day will never come. My children are adults, and the days of their childhood are blips in my rearview mirror. We got a 30-year home mortgage, and I thought I'd never see the last payment in the payment book. But yes, that is now a blip in my rearview mirror. I never planned on getting old, but wow, (laughs) have I arrived. My life is now in the rearview mirror, and it was truly only a vapor. James chapter 4, verse 14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Because I am so old, I have some wisdom for the young people. To the young, I can confidently say, Figure it out, Dumbo! I buried my father who buried his father who buried his father all the way back to the first man, Adam. And those 6,000 years, just a puff of smoke. When Christ returns for his church and all who are counted worthy will say, wow, it's here already. Conversely, those who have rejected the cross of Christ will soon arrive at the great white throne judgment to stand before an angry God and then be cast into the lake of fire, and they will cry, Wow, I can't believe I'm here already. Not good. No, not good. Dear friend, have you yet to be born again? Jesus said it is the only way to see the kingdom of God. John 3.3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again is so childlike simple. It means born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God, this time as sons and daughters of God. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, you will trade in the foolish, empty, and hurtful bondages of this vapor for breathtaking eternal glory. At this moment, your eternal soul is in your very own hands follow the prompt and today all your sins and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood today all the satanic bondages in your life will be broken no matter how formidable they appear today you will be born again just like Jesus said here it comes here is the prompt that i promised click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Revelation 18, verse 8, and then 17 through 19. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster, and all the company in ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, say, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God, sitteth in the temple of god showing himself that he is god god said isaiah 44:24 through 28 thus saith the lord thy redeemer And he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by itself, by myself, excuse me, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish, that confirmeth the word of his servant, and performeth the counsel of his messengers, that saith to Jerusalem, thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah, ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof, that saith to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers, that saith of Cyrus. He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Man said, these doomsday prophets make me laugh, There is no end to this world and certainly no Judgment Day. Such silliness these Christians believe. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature 1198 that will once again confirm the marvelous inerrancy of God's majority text Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as a platform from which to engage the lost and win their souls to Christ. Every Thursday eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you. So, so close. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church is so, so close. Since the beginning of the church, the saints have been instructed to expect the return of Jesus Christ to receive his church unto himself at any moment. It is known as the doctrine of imminence. We are cautioned not to set dates and times, for Jesus Christ himself does not know the exact time, Mark thirteen thirty two, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. We do not set dates, yet we are commanded to watch for the signs of His coming that we find in the Scriptures. Several excerpts from last week's God Said, Man Said feature, 21 Signs of Doomsday, The Word is Eminent, Part 1, they follow. We don't know the exact time of Christ's return to end the battle, known as the Battle of Armageddon, where the armies of the earth have amassed to wipe the seed of Abraham, the Jewish people, From the face of the earth. At the time of this airing, the children of Israel are engaged in a major war with the Ishmaelites that could very easily escalate into this world-ending battle prophesied in Ezekiel's chapter 38 and 39. While this may not be that battle, it's going to look a lot like this. Dr. Chuck Mistler, who recently went on to be with the Lord, was a prolific author who wrote many books defending the faith. One of these, Prophecy 2020, will be quoted here. The book was written 18 years ago, which will only make the points it makes that much more dramatic, Dr. Missler writes. Having an abundance of hard currency in the 1990s afforded al-Qaeda some unusual opportunities during the collapse of the infrastructure in Russia. Unemployment exceeded 30%. Inflation exceeded 2,000 percent and crime and corruption escalated. In Moscow, there were 84 murders a day and incessant lines even for basic vegetables. Even the military bordered on anarchy. Ten Russian soldiers died each day from non-combatant causes, including malnutrition and suicides. 110,000 were sheltered in hovels. There were even generals who did not receive paychecks. They were selling everything they could get their hands on to feed their families. In 1993, there were 6,430 reports of stolen weapons from assault rifles to tanks. Nuclear material was poor was poorly controlled, and there were affluent buyers. Bin Laden has been amassing nuclear weapons and materials since he was in Sudan in 1992. In 1996, when he returned to Afghanistan— bin Laden made further purchases from the Chechens, including highly portable nukes that had been manufactured for the KGB. From 1996 to 1999, he made additional purchases from Russian and Ukrainian sources, including international arms dealer Semyon Mogilevich. Mogilevich, on one occasion, provided bin Laden with 15 kilos of highly enriched uranium at the bargain price of $70 million. In today's money, that would be around a quarter of a billion. After Pakistan's successful testing on its atomic bombs beneath the scorched hills of the Belushan Desert, bin Laden and his al-Qaeda associates began to work closely with scientists and technicians from the AQ Khan Research Facility... Including Dr. Sultan Basharuddin Mahmood, former chairman of Pakistan's Atomic Energy Commission, and Dr. Chaudhry Abdul Majid, Khan's chief engineer, to develop additional weapons including tactical nukes, which can be fired from recoilless rifles. Since 1998, 1998, excuse me, reports of Bin Laden's growing nuclear arsenal, have appeared in such leading international news outlets as the BBC, the London Times, the Jerusalem Post, Al-Watan, Al-Arabia, and al Majalla. Al-Qaeda sleeper cells are being slipped into the U.S. among the 4,000 per day who cross the poorest Mexican border. Bin Laden is reported to offer 30,000. The $50,000 per head to Mara Salvatrucha, M-13, and other street gangs who expedite the process. Some in the professional law enforcement community are convinced that al-Qaeda cells already have nuclear devices secreted within the United States. The next terrorist attack on the United States is expected to be a nuclear event, which, uh, which apparently is scheduled to take place simultaneously, at seven sites throughout the country, New York, Washington, Miami, Houston, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Chicago. This apparently is codenamed American Hiroshima. The agenda of Islam is a continuing threat to all the people of the book, not just the Jews. When the modulus, the parliament of Iran, voted to pursue their nuclear program, 247 of the 290 approved by standing and shouting, Death to America! Death to Israel! Note the order. End of quote. Those are sobering words indeed. The Muslim groups involved in the conflict with Israel have vowed a hellacious attack on the U.S. and its allies that could surely thrust the U.S. and its allies into the world-ending battle of Armageddon. It appears from my reading of the word, that just prior to this event, Jesus returns for the church. This is the doctrine of eminence. It is so very close. It has been 18 years since Dr. Missler penned the words just read. Our poorest borders have worsened dramatically. Bin Laden may be dead, but the chant of the damned, death to America, death to Israel, has reached a fevered pitch. Think eminence. Babylon, the mother of Harlots, is recorded in the book of Revelation as a city that controls world commerce, and it is destroyed in one day, even in one hour. Revelation 17, 18 speaks of the city. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Much speculation abounds regarding which city is described in Revelation as Babylon, the mother of Harlots, one city that stands out as a possible candidate is New York City, where the world's corporations are represented and trade in the stock exchange on Wall Street and where many of the world's governances hold offices, like the United Nations, for example. Speculation aside, whatever city is described goes down in one day in one hour. Have you heard of dirty bombs? The term is used for nuclear bombs made small enough to fit into a suitcase and then there are nuclear devices that are shot from a recoilless rifle. These inventions make an American Hiroshima very, very visible from here. Seven American cities or more could very easily be destroyed in one day, in one hour, using dirty bombs like these. The physical carnage of human life and property would be a biblical proportion. Fifty, sixty, seventy million Americans could be killed or contaminated and couldn't see their homes and businesses abandoned for years. The fallout from these nuclear devices could see areas hit become desolate, radioactive wastelands along the lines of Chernobyl. Several of the cities on the terror list are major global shipping centers. U.S. exports and imports would experience serious and drastic difficulties, resulting in the crippling of U.S. and world economies. The cost in blood and treasure would be staggering. Such an event could very certainly mark the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon itself. Think eminent. The Bible prophesies that a third Jewish temple will exist at the end of days. No Jewish temple has existed since 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed by the Roman general Titus. Jesus speaks of the temple in Matthew twenty four fourteen through 21. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4 on the third temple and the Antichrist, the son of perdition, and writes this, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Israel's official position is that the Muslim Dome of the Rock sits on the Jewish temple site today, although some debate exists. In Israel, an organization known as the Temple Mount Faithful have been working diligently for decades to prepare for the third Jewish temple. A short list of their accomplishments include the biological discovery at the DNA level that identifies an individual of the tribe of Levi, the Israeli tribe that represents the Jewish priesthood. This is a biological distinction unique to the Levitical order. Variations in the Y chromosome unique to the sons of Aaron can now be ascertained. Biblical training is underway, preparing the new Levite priests for the responsibility of the new Jewish temple. Priestly robes have been made. The high priest's attire has been made. The holding anoint oil has been found. The necessary utensils for the new temple and upcoming animal sacrifices have been made. The massive altar of sacrifice has been constructed. And it was announced several years ago that this altar is ready to perform the sacrifices in the Jewish Passover. Numbers chapter 19, verse 2 and verse 13. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. Whosoever toucheth the dead body of any man that is dead, and purifieth not himself, defileth the tabernacle of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him, he shall be unclean his uncleanness is yet upon him. The temple and the ashes from the red heifer and even a red heifer have been absent from Israel for nearly 2,000 years. There are now five red heifers without blemish in Israel, all of which are candidates to fulfill the requirements in Numbers chapter 19. These heifers are under close scrutiny, and one may be qualified for sacrifice this spring." It is reported that a functioning temple could be operational in as little as six months. Now, I want you to go find a pen and paper. You're going to be sticking that paper somewhere where you'll see it often like your bathroom mirror. Write this word, imminent. From the feature 21 signs of doomsday, seven U.S. cities targeted, you'll find this. Jesus directs his church to learn a parable of the fig tree. Matthew 24, 32 through 34. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and poureth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Israel is directly hooked to the fig tree. In Jeremiah chapter 24, verses 1 through 10, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, and Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 26. During the days of Christ, Israel did not exist as a self-governing people, but rather as a vassal state of the Roman Empire. In 70 AD, Jerusalem and the temple that were destroyed by the Roman general Titus and the Jewish people were then scattered to the four corners of the earth. From that point forward, Israel would no longer be found on the globe, for it was not. Something very strange and miraculous occurred, however, on May 14, 1948. A nation gone from the earth for nearly 2,000 years was restored once again as a nation by the stroke of a pen. Israel took its place on the map of planet earth, just as the word of God so clearly prophesied. Surely Israel, the fig tree, has budded, and the generation that sees this shall not pass until all is fulfilled, and that will include the end of the world as we know it. Even though we do not know the date or time, it does appear we have been given a type of generational clock. If, in fact, we have learned the parable of the fig tree, then the generation that witnessed it will not pass until all is fulfilled. I was born in 1947, so I am of that generation. We are still here, but the ranks dwindle daily. Now keep in mind that it doesn't say until the last man's standing. Of course, the doctrine of eminence is soundly in place. Christ can return for his church at any moment. The word is eminent. End of quote. The following information concerning the Persian king Cyrus who ordered the rebuilding of the second Jewish temple may seem somewhat unrelated, but by the end of this feature, the correlation will be very clear. From the God said man said feature, King Cyrus and the Minimalist, Isaiah chapter 44 verses 24 and 28. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that stretcheth, that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Isaiah 45, 1-4, through Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in sunder the bars of iron, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness, and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, am the God of Israel." For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. According to the Minimalists, the Bible is wrong again. The writings attributed to Isaiah could not have been written by Isaiah. He prophesied of the coming Persian king Cyrus, who would release the Jews from their 70 years of Babylonian servitude to return to their homeland and rebuild Jerusalem and the Solomonic temple. It cannot have been written by Isaiah because he predates Cyrus by more than 200 years. Somehow, it escapes the biblical minimalists, who go before men, and especially in the religious circles, as the fount of God, but who in fact are scribes and wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus warns of. Yes, it escapes them that the Bible is a supernatural, inerrant, God-authored text. It escapes the minimalist, that prophets of God, by divine revelation, foretold and foretell the future. Something else has escaped the minimalist concerning the biblical book of Isaiah and its legendary prophecies of King Cyrus. It is that the history of this issue is thoroughly recorded by Flavius Josephus. Josephus is regarded Arguably is the most ancient, uh, famous ancient historian of all time and certainly the most read. Josephus records the following. The first paragraph that you're going to read are the words of Cyrus himself. Thus saith Cyrus the king, Since God Almighty hath appointed me to be king of the habitable earth, I believe that he is that God which the nation of the Israelites worship. For indeed he foretold my name by the prophets, and that I should build him a house at Jerusalem in the country of Judea. This was known to Cyrus by his reading of the book which Isaiah left behind him of his prophecies, for this prophet said that God had spoken thus to him in a secret vision. My will is that Cyrus, whom I have appointed to be king over many and great nations, send back my people to their own land and build my temple. This was foretold by Isaiah 140 years before the temple was demolished. Accordingly, when Cyrus read this and admired the divine power, an earnest desire and ambition seized upon him to fulfill, fulfill Excuse me, what was so written. So he called for the most eminent Jews that were in Babylon and said to them that he gave them leave to go back to their own country and to rebuild their city Jerusalem and the temple of God, for that he would be their assistant, and that he would write to the rulers and governors that were in the neighborhood of this country of Judea, that they should contribute to them gold and silver for the building of the temple, and besides that, beasts for their sacrifices. Cyrus also sent an epistle to the governors that were in Syria. The contents whereof here follow. King Cyrus to Cisunus and Sathribuzanes sendeth greeting. I have given leave to as many of the Jews that dwell in my country as pleased to return to their own country and to rebuild their city, and to build the temple of God at Jerusalem, on the same place where it was before. I have also sent my treasure, Mithridates, and Zerubbabel, the governor of the Jews, that they may lay the foundations of the temple, and may build it sixty cubits high, and of the same latitude, making three edifices, of polished stones, and one of the wood of the country, and the same order extends to the altar, whereon they offer sacrifices to God. I require also that the expenses for these things may be given out of my revenues. Moreover, I have also sent the vessels which King Nebuchadnezzar pillaged out of the temple, and have given them to Mithridates, the treasurer, and to Zerobabel, the governor of the Jews, that they may have them carried to Jerusalem and may restore them to the temple of God. End of quote. The Greek author, soldier, and historian, Xonophon, born in 444 BC, speaks of King Cyrus and appends Isaiah's description of him to him, which was God's shepherd. Cyrus's tomb can be seen today at Parsigarda in Iran. End of quotes. The minimalists have been minimalized. In his book, Prophecy 2020, Dr. Chuck Missler mentions that Josephus, the ancient Jewish historian, reports that the Old Testament prophet Daniel, who was present when Babylon was taken by the Persians, was also present at Cyrus's ceremonial entrance into the city. Josephus records that Daniel presented King Cyrus with the writings of the prophet Isaiah, which mentioned the king by name long before he was born. The paragraphs that follow are from the God Said Man Said feature, 21 Signs of Doomsday, Adam to Armageddon, Cyrus, Donald J. Trump, and the End of the World. This was originally published in September 2019. There's been a lot of chatter in the Christian ranks and certainly in Israel concerning the Third Temple and U.S. President Donald J. Trump. In Israeli politics and in the press, the U.S. president is being compared to the Persian King Cyrus the Great, 600 to 530 B.C., who was the world leader who gave the Jewish people the right to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had destroyed. Will Donald J. Trump be Israel's Cyrus? Has God chosen him for such a time as this? The headline in the March 27, 2019 issue of the Jerusalem Post reads, Trump isn't Cyrus yet. A few excerpts follow. Following President Trump's proclamation recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golden Heights on Monday, Prime Minister Netanyahu compared the American leader to Cyrus the Great. During the signing ceremony at the White House, Prime Minister Netanyahu established the historical significance of the Golan decision. In the long sweep of Jewish history, declared the Prime Minister, there have been a handful of proclamations by non-Jewish leaders on behalf of our people and our land. Cyrus the Great, the great Persian king, Lord Balfour, President Harry S. Truman, and President Donald J. Trump. Israel's Hearetz.com ran this headline on December 16, 2017. Christians and Jews now compare Trump to Persian King Cyrus. Will he build a third temple? A few paragraphs follow. Political junkies and Middle East analysts have had to bone up on their conservative Christian theology to properly understand why Donald Trump's declaration of Jerusalem as Israel's capital was so important to the evangelicals who lobbied hard for it and have been lauding it all week. Trump was already a hero to a wide swath of evangelicals for his efforts to fight abortion, keep transgender kids excuse me out of the wrong bathrooms, and fill the U.S. courts with diehard conservative judges. But the role he's playing, and what many believe is the fulfillment of divine prophecy, has got him promoted the king for some of them, an ancient Persian king to be precise. Trump and his generation as Cyrus in his, tweeted Israeli Justice Minister Eilat Shaked. The Boulder uh, have gone so far as to suggest that Trump doesn't just merely resemble the Persian king, he's Cyrus reincarnate. Initial comparisons of Trump and Cyrus date back to the early 2016 when the tough talking GOP candidate's popularity among evangelicals initially sp- split evangelical leaders, some of whom hesitated to support a man whose life choices haven't exactly exemplified family values. In a Christian Broadcasting Network interview in April 2016, evangelical leader and author Lance Walnow argued for Christian support for the candidate, contending that Trump has the Cyrus anointing. And so in a dangerous world with Trump, I believe we have a Cyrus to navigate through the storm. But it's not only Christians who have embraced the comparison. Ideological right-wing religious Jews have as well. Likud Knesset member Yehuda Klick, Israel's most famous advocate of Jewish prayer on the Temple Mount, invoked the comparison at a Trump inauguration internet faith prayer ceremony, saying that if Trump moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, he will be the Latter-day Cyrus. The Christian imagining of a third temple rebuilt by the Jews is the beginning of the end of the Jewish religion according to this theology. Such Christians see the rebuilding of the temple as the match that sets the world ablaze with the battle of Armageddon. Saved from the battle will be those who accept Jesus, including the Jews, who will see the light and convert to Christianity." President Donald J. Trump is the first U.S. president to recognize Jerusalem as the rightful capital of Israel. He startled world leaders by moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. Trump surprised world leaders again by recognizing the annexed Golan Heights as sovereign Israeli ground. President Trump has uh, defunded Palestinian terrorists and stands staunchly against Iran and other countries that desire the destruction of the Hebrew nation. Will he endorse the building of the third Jewish temple? The stage is set for the end of the world. Zechariah 14 says all the nations will gather against Israel at the great battle of Armageddon. The third temple will draw the world's ire, its hatred and satanic frenzy. All the focus will be on one single rock, the rock of Abraham Isaac, the Old Testament shadow of the New Testament Christ that's on Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount of Jerusalem. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ. He is the beginning and the end, God's creator of the world, and the one who brings it to its end because it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, Colossians one nineteen. Jesus Christ is the singularity, And quote. This feature is being published on February 8, 2024, and it finds President Joe Biden in the U.S. White House. This year, it appears that he will be running against former President Donald Trump. We are not prophesying that Donald Trump will retake the U.S. White House, but his chances appear very good. In just 10 short months, the global dialogue will change, and the Third Temple could quickly be on the agenda again. Surely a new Jewish temple missing for nearly 2,000 years would drive Muslims' bitter hatred to a new high. This feature is focused on the doctrine of eminence and the return of Jesus Christ to gather His church unto Himself in the clouds, and that event is truly eminent. Prepare to meet your God, one way or the other. The born-again will meet the Father and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, at the great taking up, commonly known as the rapture. Those who have cast off this Christ will meet an angry God at the great white throne judgment. The choice is mine alone. The whole fallen world and the lust of the flesh will be in the rearview mirror, and everyone will say, wow, how did I get here already? Only the eternal future will lie ahead, one eternally glorious and one eternally hellacious. It's time to pick one. If you have yet to make your peace with God, move now while you still have time. Click on the further with Jesus and settle the score. Remember, the word is eminent, and that means soon. God said, Revelation 18, verse 8 and 17 through 19. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judgeth her. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster... And all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea stood afar off, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads, and cried weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. God said Second Thessalonians two, three and four. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God said, Isaiah 44, verses 24 and 28. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, Thy foundation shall be laid. Man said, These doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world, and certainly no judgment day such silliness these Christians believe. Now you have the record.